Hello. I'm Julian. And I'm Tom. We are Team Binge. Thank you for joining us for episode three of The Last of Us. This episode is called Long, Long Time. And it is just like the other two episodes. There's nothing different about it. And (laughs) it is just two people walking through a mysterious life trying to find things out about one another. And I'm not Mm -hmm. talking about Joel and Ellie. I'm talking about Bill and Frank. Yes. Get your tissue boxes, everybody. This is a beautiful episode. Very, very beautiful. Amazing. Here's what happened. I talked about this show with other folks, and I was like, listen, it's pretty clean cut. I think I've said it on the pod. Pretty clean cut. They're going from one place to another. We're in a post-apocalyptic world with some cool infected zombie things. And then the show was like, we've been listening to Julian, and we're going (laughs) to throw a wrench in his system, and we're going to give him a totally different episode. And that's what they did. And it was very enjoyable. I liked... Uh, I I liked what they did here. Yeah, I mean, you could call it a bottle episode because so much of this focuses on characters, you know, we haven't met yet. Um, but it still does, you know, it starts it with Ellie and Joel kind of on their travels and ends with them on their travels. But the bulk of this episode is this beautifully told love story between Bill and Frank. And I'll kind of get into it when we get into, um, you know, the whole episode. But the way this kind of departs from the game and, and their relationship in the game versus their relationship here, they did uh, have a romance kind of in the video game, but it's played out entirely different. And it was written so much more beautifully and, and makes elevates the, the video game so much more being told this way. So super, super awesome. So well done and, and can't wait to chat through it. Okay, I'm going to ask, so the video game did not have a moment where it was like press triangle to caress chest hair? That wasn't <laughs> part of the game? I know every every uh, uh, romantic sequence you assume that the video game has that in there, but it, this one does not. There's it no QTE like, for this. Press, press square to shower five minutes longer. <laughs> and you just hear Bill in the other room go, yeah, that's fine. You can use the hot water. It's not a resource we need. My handsome friend. What? Nothing. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, <laughs> I'm not surprised this whole uh, beautiful love story was not uh, played out in the video game. But mm-hmm. man, that'd be an in- incredible level. Do they call them levels in video games still? Are they um, chapter, <laughs> maybe section? I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of like chapters in, in The Last of Us, the way they kind of split it up a little bit. But I think we need to start like at the top here, just the incredible, amazing performances for both Nick Offerman as Bill and Murray Bartlett as Frank. Just incredibly well done. And Murray Bartlett apparently was actually cast in this role before he was even in White Lotus. Oh, so really? this was like before that fame. And, and they saw in Murray Bartlett what an incredible actor he was even before, you know, I think the rest of the world saw him as can't remember his name in White Lotus, but just, again, incredibly well-done character in that show as well. Yeah, does a great job in White Lotus. That's where I first uh, ran into this actor. And then Nick Offerman, obviously, we all know him from his woodworking. Uh, I am mm-hmm. uh, the proud owner of uh, two copies of his book, Good Clean Fun. <laughs> and uh, we really appreciate Nick Offerman. Some people, you know, it's a deep cut, might know him as Ron Swanson from Parks mm-hmm. and Rec. Mm-hmm. But uh, he honestly, he did a great job in this episode. They both did. But like his his acting chops, he did a great job. 
and uh, I'm glad he wasn't just another Ron Swanson in this. Yeah, yeah. So apparently Nick Offerman was actually cast first in this role, and he was friends with Craig Mazin, one of the main showrunners of this. And Craig Mazin, I think, actually wrote—I um, don't think directed this, but but wrote this episode specifically for the show. Um, and he had mentioned that when he was kind of casting and doing this, he had mentioned uh, Vince Gilligan from from Breaking Bad fame, um, and talking about hiring actors that are comedians because they feel like they have such good understanding of drama. So characters like uh, Saul Goodman, played by Bill Odenkirk. But he he does this thing on, on when he talked about the podcast where having a guy like Nick Offerman, who's a comedy guy, come in to do a, a more serious role and how like well they can do because of their knowledge of comedy and emotion and all sure, that stuff. But sure. Well, that's, I, I, I mean, I thought they were going to have Joel initially. He was going to be played by two people, both Jim Carrey and Will Ferrell just uh, going back and forth because <laughs> everyone knows comedians do drama real well. Well, that's interesting. Once again, high praises to Bill and Frank, which uh, seems like an ice cream company when you say it too quickly. I don't know why. All right, let's kick it off. Episode, as you pointed out, does start with Joel and Ellie. This is, you know, right after Tess's demise. They find themselves... Uh, at that well-known Boston Creek that runs through <laughs> the middle of town, I'm assuming. I don't know. They, he was like out in the wilderness. He's stacking rocks to make a cairn uh, by the by the stream. And I was like, I'm sorry, what part of Boston is this? But I realized I didn't go to Boston in sixth grade, so I don't really have any room to talk. This has apparently become like a big internet meme or the idea of this being 10 miles outside of Boston when they kind of show that little... Uh, writing on the bottom and how just absurd that really is. Oh, is it? Um, okay, good. Yeah. I'm glad so you're not alone. I'm, I'm glad I'm not alone. <laughs> He's just like, oh, there's the garden and uh, wait, actually, Madison Square Garden is in New York, so that wouldn't make any sense. I don't know. Um, Fenway Park. There's there it is. There's Fenway Park. <laughs> there's where the Patriots used to play and the Liberty Bell. I don't know. <laughs> Once again, my parents didn't sign the permission slip, so I never made it. But mm -hmm. he is building a cairn of rocks next to uh, the creek. He's clearly going through some emotional stuff, having just lost his uh, best pal, Tess, to mm -hmm. a... Now, is he sad because he looked back and saw her kissing that... Uh, infected and this is Jealous. more of like a jealousy thing do you feel like that's where this emotion is he's torn that his lover found another lover in the brief i don't know 47 seconds they were apart uh is this part of the game tom the two of them finding different lovers this was not this was not this is um him paying tribute i guess to tess but uh he still has the feelings for her even though she technically cheated on him in the end Sure. Yeah, I was surprised because he then kicks all the Karen <laughs> and he's like, why, Tess? Why did you kiss him? And uh, anyways, that's not what happened. But this is an episode about lovers. So we're going to uh, walk that stream as often as possible. Mm -hmm. We've got Ellie discovering that she's not a very big outdoors woman. Um, <laughs> didn't spend a lot of time camping, which I guess if you grow up in a QZ or somewhere adjacent you're probably not spending a lot of time outdoors mm -hmm. she she starts to say something to joel and he cuts her off and he's like listen you don't need to say 
anything about Tess apologize. And he's like, and she's like, listen, uh, I wasn't going to say sorry. You made your <laughs> choice. Don't blame me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was absolutely was great. Great. Yeah. yeah. As opposed to like, you know, having this kind of thing hold over both of them and, and him feel like resentment. She just puts it out there right away. Yeah. I mean, does this make Ellie a little bit callous and uh, <laughs> unfriendly? Certainly not. She's very likable. <laughs> I'm on her team. I hope she doesn't get bit a third time. <laughs> we discover we have a five-hour hike, which I guess takes us probably to Wyoming. I don't know. If 10 miles outside of Boston, there's a creek. I'm assuming five-mile hike is then we're in Wyoming. Uh, geography, once again, my parents didn't sign the permission slip. So This Ellie, was technically filmed in Canada, so they were actually in the Canadian woods. So maybe they just took a wrong turn. Oh, see, that's what see that's what threw me off. Every time I saw a Canadian tree, I was like, I don't know, show. I'm pretty sure that's one of them syrup, maple syrup trees. <laughs> um, Ellie is like, hey, why are we so cautious on the road? Are you worried about infected? And Joel is like, nope, not worried about infected. I'm worried about people because people <laughs> can go evil real quick. And mm-hmm. then she's like, oh, is that how you got that scar? And we have a very funny back and forth where Joel's like, I got the scar because someone was shooting at me. And she's like, oh, did you shoot them? And she's like very aggressive. She's like, yeah, but you like, (laughs) and he's like, no, I missed. They missed. It happens a lot, which was just a great, like, it it happens more than you think, I think is his his line, which is great. Mm -hmm. And her response of, so you suck at shooting? (laughs) (laughs) Which made me think, is is Joel a stormtrooper? Maybe he's a stormtrooper. We know he's involved in the Star Wars universe, so maybe in another life. I don't know. I haven't... Spoilers, I've not watched more than, I think, season one of The Mandalorian, so I don't know. I do know watching The Mandalorian, there are some times that he did not seem all that competent uh, in terms (laughs) of of weapon tree, Um, but I'm not a Boba Fett. I don't know. Uh, I I don't know what any of the terms are. But he might be. It's a good point. It's a shared universe. I'm assuming part of these games, Tom, is a lot of going into service stations and gas stations and rummaging through trash. Is that, am I touching something? <laughs> yes, very much so. You're you're opening up every locker, every drawer to be able to find something to craft more materials. That is a, a big pull to the game for sure. So are you allowed, do you just like hold down space bar and just drag your, like your character across the wall (laughs) until something opens? Is that still how video games do it? No, like you can't necessarily open up everything. Once you walk close enough, you'll see a little triangle pop on like a drawer handle and then you can hit that to open it up. But they do do a lot of fakes where you open up a drawer handle like, oh, sweet, I'm going to get some ammo and there's nothing in there. You're like, come on game. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I understand that frustration because sometimes... (laughs) Sometimes I, I need to pay for something. I reach for my wallet and there's nothing in it. And um, <laughs> that's a different struggle. Um, Joel's going to find some sort of pre-stashed stash. Is that is that correct? Yeah, because I think the idea is this is like on their general route as they're traveling between different parts where they're doing their smuggling, I guess. So this is a place that he has stashed stuff before. Do you think the stash is marijuana, Tom? Mm, one can only hope. <laughs> you know i prefer the white stuff (laughs) oh tom no no tom we don't need you going back to rehab not again remember show me your coin um we find a mortal Kombat arcade which uh what is it called when they show a video game inside of a video game is that some sort of 
video game Inception, I guess. Yes, that sounds right. So they didn't have the rights to do this, I think, in the in the Last of Us game, or or at least didn't pay for the rights. They created their own arcade here called The Turning, uh, but has a very same concept. It's supposed to be a fighter game, and Ellie describes this like awesome character that her friend told her about. So uh, I love the little add in here. Whether it makes sense for this to be in like this gas station kind of place, probably not. But I love the uh, little Easter egg. Good point. I've been in gas stations where they have slot machines where you can <laughs> gamble, hence why there was no cash in my wallet. But I don't know. I I don't know. Do Walmart still have the section by the carts where there's... Do you remember playing arcades in like a Walmart entry area? Does this... Am I I don't think so. Something? I remember like the claw games or the little, I don't know, like little bubble machines where you can get a stupid plastic toy, but I don't remember arcades. Listen, if your kid's not at the age where those little plastic toys mean the world to him, <laughs> I've got some news for you, buddy. Carry quarters, because every time you see one of those claw machines, you're going to have to be the, the claw master, which, knowing you, you will do just fine, because you're good at all those little games. That was my nickname at college, the claw master. The claw. <laughs> <laughs> which is why they kicked you out. Yes, <laughs> oh, and correct. you've learned your lesson, right? Yes, you yes, have. So it's my community college nickname. <laughs> No, Ellie finds this basement hatch and man, really, (laughs) like really, uh, you live in a world that is of this world where anything can live anywhere and pop out at you. And she is opening this thing up and she doesn't say anything to Joel. This Mm -hmm. is, listen, my bravery probably stops at, oh, I don't know. I'm probably not leaving the QZ if I'm being perfectly (laughs) honest, but she just opens the sucker. She does turn on the old moonbeam, the uh, mm-hmm. 90 degree angle flashlight, uh, which is great. But uh, I thought something was going to grab her arm or jump out right here. This oh, show the makes way me they, paranoid. <laughs> yeah, the way they shot it and framed it where like the, right in the center of camera is this black hole and you're just going to see the, the shoulder of Ellie. The assumption is something's going to come out and grab her and they did it multiple times. But I do appreciate like when she pops down into the hole, she's smart enough in this world to immediately give herself an out. She takes that trash can, puts it up. So she's got it like an escape route already. So again, just kind of showing you that she's she's a, a smart a smart young girl. I did not even notice that's what she was doing. I was like, oh, she's going to go through the trash can in the basement. That's a little bit strange. But (laughs) what she does makes uh, a whole lot more sense. Uh, She finds some critical feminine products, which I was happy for. I will move on quickly. Uh, And then we discover, oh, this is what I wanted to say about like jump scares. What I appreciate about this show is... It has the beats of jump scares, like I am still stressed and tense, but mm-hmm. to this point, it hasn't really done it. And I guess there, are, I won't say there aren't times like things don't jump out at you, but I just remember that opening sequence in episode one where you know things are about to turn mm-hmm. um, and Joel's daughter is kind of going. There were like a bunch of times where something should jump out at you and they didn't do it. And I felt mm-hmm. the same thing here. There's like a... There's a lot of buildup, and then they don't jump scare you, which is someone who's not big into horror films, mm-hmm. I can appreciate, because my old ticker can't really <laughs> take it. 
Well, I think Neil Druckmann is is very adept at horror, and he, he certainly showed it in the games and, and the way he set up a lot of the, the scenes. But, I mean, in general, jump scares are kind of a cop-out as a means to just scare an audience because you change the music, you change the camera angle, and it's just easy, right? Somebody opens up a mirror, then closes the mirror, and boom, there's somebody in front of ah! you. But this oh, shows... Tom, yeah. <laughs> you can't do that to me. Ooh. <laughs> But this show focuses so much more on the the tension between these these scenes and like the the kind of jump scare we get is when she kind of turns, sees the infected kind of buried, and as she's slowly coming up, you know, the infected slightly turns its head a little bit. Like that that's the amount of the jump scare. But it's just so creepy, but lets us know, okay, this thing can't escape and man, Ellie goes in for the dissection here. Oh yeah. She's like, Hey, let's see what's inside of a forehead and she's <laughs> cutting I guess I think she starts to carve her initials and then she's like, uh, I'm bored. And then she gets very stabby, stabby. Um, and I was like, oh, that's kind of gross, but I guess good for her. She lives in that world where she can survive. There's like a there's a coldness that I think you have to have in order to uh, survive. I'm assuming. Do you think that is the first time she has um, killed one? Because she asked Joel about killing them. Uh, well, in that's episode was... two, and so mm-hmm. my assumption was that she hadn't, but maybe, I mean, I don't well, know we what get happened that... in the mall, I guess. I was going to say, we get the thing in the mall where she, you know, was bit and had to confront, so my assumption would be, yes, you probably did kill that attacker, but I think this just kind of kind of shows the sadistic nature almost of, of Ellie at this point, because her fascination with Joel getting shot or getting in gunfights and shooting people and uh, taking people's lives, whether they're, you know, Raiders, real people or people infected, like it's it, it gets to you, and, and certainly Joel has experienced all of that, and it weighs heavy on him. But I mean, always a fourteen-year-old girl living in this crazy world. Um, it's it's interesting to see her be strong and survive in here. But to do that, you have to unfortunately give away a lot of her innocence. Yeah, it was um, it was very clinical in the way that mm-hmm. she did it, which I yeah. thought was um, which I thought was interesting. Now. Going back to jump scares, Tom, having played the game, is this the type of game you can play alone at night with, like, the house lights off? Or is it, like, it, like I remember Resident Evil, which is kind of a similar similar style game, I guess, zombies. Mm-hmm. I remember trying to play that uh, when, I was, when I was younger, like six months ago, and just being absolutely terrified <laughs> uh, to play it at night alone. Was this game like that type of scary or was it more just stressful? No, I think it follows the kind of horror and terror you get in the show. I mean, there certainly are some jump scares because they're kind of fun to do in that medium. But most of the terror is you going into a a house or something and you hear the clicker in the background. Mm. Uh, There's also a feature in the game where you can kind of, yeah, you can kind of like turn on like an echolocation style mode. So you can see like guys moving through walls and things like that. So it kind of helps take some of that tension out. But I think probably Last of Us 2, the the follow-up to it, had a lot more of that where guys would come out from nowhere and just scare the living daylights out of you. But mm. I think less so in the first installment. Well, Seth, I've got news for you. I don't think I'll be playing this game. I don't <laughs> I don't know if I can do it. Um, <laughs> you have to make a lot of hard choices in this game, and you got to make a whole lot of hard choices in this world. Uh, Joel decides to leave that AR in mm. a stashed place at the bottom of this service station and i thought to myself why joel why (laughs) why joel why it seems like a nice tool to have around 
Well, he makes mention that there's limited ammo for this type of rifle, which I'm assuming is is accurate and where he's going and what he's smuggling. But, I mean, to be lugging this thing around if he's only got a handful of rounds left, as heavy as these things are, I would assume that makes sense. No, I disagree. <laughs> I disagree. Bad move by Joel. At some point, he's going to want to reach out and touch an infected at 600 meters, and he's not going to be able to because all he's got is that revolver. But I'm assuming, well... I won't die. I'm going to just keep asking questions about the game, but we'll we'll <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, they depart from the service station and they come across a plane that's crashed in a field, which I thought mm-hmm. was pretty interesting because Ellie doesn't know like the concept of flying is foreign to her. She doesn't really live in a world where there's planes, you mm-hmm. know, flying across constantly. She has never flown on a plane, so it's funny, like, the questions she asks about that, and I thought it was mm-hmm. an interesting, like, oh, yeah, in her world, that stuff would be, like, magic, because mm-hmm. it just doesn't exist. Yeah, Joel's like, yeah, you gotta send an ILC and pay $12 for a sandwich. She's like, <laughs> you got to fl- go in the air, like, fly. Like, yeah. it's it's funny just to take that stuff for granted that we do. Sure, sure. Yeah, no, he says middle seat. Aisle seat would be a luxury <laughs> that we can't afford they then talk about how it all started and joel does go into i I think you talked about this quite a bit the flower Mm -hmm. and the infection and i I thought that was interesting that they took this episode to break it down again yeah they took the time to explain this and i don't think they needed to right like we've seen plenty of zombie and infected horror stories where you just kind of say hey a virus it outbroke and here we are but they took the time to actually spell it out which i thought was cool and even as joel talks about it he says you know it got in the food supply and bread and cereals and he says specifically pancake mix and it kind of takes a beat thinking back to that faithful morning with his family and that they didn't have pancake mix that day so that's why you know they seemingly weren't infected to to start right Right. I appreciated it because if I did not do a podcast where you pointed all these things out to me, I don't think (laughs) I would have picked it up. So I was okay in episode three where they were like, listen, this is what happened. And I'm like, oh, I know Tom told me. But (laughs) if I didn't have a Tom in my life, then it would be nice to have a Joel in my life that explains what happens with pancake mix. And your brother's name, Joel? uh, Yes. Yes. (laughs) Uh, To have a another joel in my life joel to the power of two joel not my brother joel in this tv show i'm gonna have to clarify that now every time i say the name thanks for confusing our audience tom joel's like hey let's not go that way and she's like why you don't want me to see something and he's like yes and ellie being a well-adjusted and disciplined child is like okay elder and they go a different route that's not what happens Uh, He was trying to avoid a mass grave. And this is kind of the... I thought this was interesting how they did this because I'd kind of forgotten what this episode was going to be about. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you you go online at all, you know this is going to be Bill being introduced and and Mm kind of who Bill is. I didn't get any more than that. I just knew he was kind of like a prepper. And so the way they transitioned from Joel and Ellie through this to 20 years earlier, I thought was very interesting, but Mm -hmm. I was uncomfortable because they were rounding up all these people, putting them in trucks. And I was like, Oh no, I I, listen show. I do not want to watch a bunch of innocent people just gunned (laughs) down. I, I, I certainly don't need that. So I was a little bit grateful that the show didn't, didn't do that. 
Um, yeah, I mean, they they treat it so well with with showing the the horror and terror of what this universe has created, and the fact that like I think Ellie even asked Joel about like, do they actually kill these people even though they weren't sick? And he's like, well, yeah, because dead people can't be infected, which was just a terrible and heart wrenching line. But they they come close up to very distinct clothing of I think it was a, a baby a and baby's a mother, blanket. yeah, right, yeah, and then kind of pans out, and then this is how we get twenty years earlier, and it shows these people living live think they're going to be taken to a qz and and yeah just just brutal yeah once again i don't know that the uh military establishment is getting real a lot of credit in this world in terms <laughs> of uh how quickly they're following some pretty terrible orders but it is what it is we are then 20 years earlier and we have our good bearded man nick offerman as bill mm-hmm. In the basement of a basement, I believe. I think he's like two (laughs) layers down. Uh, And he's watching some security footage, avoiding Mm -hmm. the old town roundup that he is not going to be a part of. It's such a great introduction of the character where he's like, it's all dark down here in the sub basement and he's staring at his screen. You just get like the silhouette of his head. And even when he delivers this line, which um, listening to a follow-up podcast on this, this line wasn't actually supposed to be uh, spoken. This was something that Neil, uh, that Craig Mazin wrote as a means to like get the actor in like the mindset of the character. Okay. But Nick Offerman saw the script and was like, no, 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 this is too good not to deliver. Uh, what she gives that line says like, not today, you new world order, new world order jackboot. We'll say fellas. Fellas. Uh, that's so great. I love it. And they show us just. The town clears out, and then he kind of goes outside, and we find, I guess you would describe him as like a doomsday prepper, mm-hmm. and so he has the town to himself, and this <laughs> opening, which they don't really play it for comedy, I think there's a little bit of like some funny moments in there, but mm-hmm. I very much had the Last Man on Earth vibes, uh, <laughs> the uh, Will Forte show that yeah. I know you loved and I loved. I didn't watch the whole thing, but... Just the pilot episode alone uh, reminded me of this moment. And it's such a fun thing to think about. Uh, as as devastating as the world would be at that moment, it would be like, <laughs> yeah. what if I had a town to myself? <laughs> like, what would I do? So I, I enjoyed this immensely. And I saw that you referenced Last Man on Earth in the outline here. So I went back and watched like the, the teaser trailer for the show. And it shows Will Forte like going grocery shopping. And as he's grocery shopping, he's filling his cart up by, you know, just putting his arm through the aisle and everything just falling into the cart. And he slowly goes by like the magazine section and then dumps out half the cart to then put all the adult magazines in his <laughs> in his cart. And then he makes himself a, a PB&J Pop-Tart with Pop-Tart as the bread. Uh, he goes and steals uh, museum art. And then ultimately butchers and sings a national anthem in the center of the Dodger Stadium all alone. It was just, it was great. And I love yeah. that show. All I remember is he buys, or doesn't buy, he doesn't have to buy. He gathers <laughs> a bunch of uh, aquariums. He stacks them in a parking lot. He fills the back end of a pickup truck with bowling balls. And then he slams on the brake in reverse. And he bowls all the bowling balls out of the back of the truck to smash the aquariums. And it was very funny. Very Comedy funny. gold. Yeah. I'm just going to go ahead and say right now at the end of the podcast, I'm going to recommend everybody watch The Last Man on Earth. Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> we then go to our uh, favorite place to be on a Saturday, The mm-hmm. Home Depot. Yes, not Lowe's. 
not Lowe's. <laughs> Lowe's lost out on the uh, on the bidding war to get some product placement in here, huh? Yeah, but I loved watching this. Like even like the Home Depot. Then you see him, you know, doing generators. Him redoing the electric grid for his whole neighborhood and everything. But just like the idea of somebody being able to do all of this stuff as a handyman that can do any and everything was great because. At first, I'm like, oh, nobody knows all this. But I'm like, Nick Offerman does. In yeah. real life, Nick Offerman could do all of this. So Bill could too. Yep. That's uh, that's correct. And then with <laughs> it, you also see him make like a delicious meal. Like rather mm-hmm. than just scraping by eating Pop-Tart <laughs> PB&Js, <laughs> yeah. he like braises some uh, red meat in a uh, beautiful red. I don't know. See, this is why I would not be doing this. I would be eating the Pop-Tarts. But he makes a, he makes a lovely meal. He sits down, and his entertainment is watching the security <laughs> video of a lone infected getting shot in the face by a booby trap. Yeah, and this no is kind of what Bill is. Yeah, this is what he's known for in the games: is setting up all these booby traps. That's kind of how you're introduced to him, where a, a clicker runs at the screen or whatever, and they get destroyed by one of Bill's booby traps. I don't know if we want to talk about this now, but like the interaction between Joel and Bill is in flashback. I'm assuming in the game it's in real time and you spend what feels like more time with him than they do in the show. Is that fair to say? You don't spend a whole lot of time with him. You, I'll just go ahead and do the whole story of what it is in the game and we can use that as kind of a basis of comparison for what the show does. So in the game, you run into Bill. It's the same kind of situation. You're trying to find a car battery to get to where you need to go. In this world, Bill and Frank are kind of having a falling out, and Frank is more or less left Bill. And you eventually uh, run by Frank, who has uh, unfortunately been bit, and he knew he was bit, and hung himself. And Bill is mad sad about it but he's not devastated because he, i think he's just more upset that frank left him in this in this moment mm. um, and we get a letter from frank that bill gets a little bit later after joel kind of searches through the house which kind of describes a portion of what the show does how frank doesn't want to just you know survive as bill does he wants to live and create more to his life and his world and I think we get that a little bit later with their relationship. So mm. instead of there being like a big falling out like they do in the, the show, there's certainly, or sure, in the game, there's certainly love between them in the game, but nowhere near to, to this level. And then the way they show these two survive and thrive during this apocalypse is just beautiful. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting that a writer took, you know, that piece of the game and kind of expanded it out into what it was. I think they, mm-hmm. did, a, I think they did a great job. But... Let's dive into their story. So we then cut to, so it was 20 years earlier, and then it was four years later from that. So 16 Mm -hmm. years. This is fun. I love math. So 16 (laughs) years earlier, we have Bill going about his day, living his life, fixing his fence, and uh, someone falls into a hole, and it's Frank, and it's kind of funny. (laughs) It's a classic meet cute, man. Yep. Yep. Uh, are you armed? 
No. <laughs> Why did it take you so long to answer that? Well, I was thinking, just that whole dialogue is great. Yeah. And he, he gives him the ladder, and he's like, Boston is that way. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> just the exchange between these two was a lot of fun. Uh, this is not an Arby's. There's no free lunch. Arby's didn't have a free lunch. It was a restaurant. Just, just so great. I just like, he broke Bill down. And yeah. once again, to be like witty and have some like levity, or I don't even know if that's the right term in a situation mm-hmm. like this is is fun. So he wins Bill over. Bill lets him in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I get... I think my spouse made the comment of just how weird it would be like all that time alone. I mean, mm-hmm. four years, you probably have people come by every once in a while, but to be alone like that, you're probably just like aching for conversation, but Bill's not the type, you know, Bill's not going to open up immediately and just start chatting. So mm-hmm. it's, it's funny that he, you know, finds someone like Frank and how you see they compliment each other. But yeah, it was. I'm glad he let Frank in. That's all. Yes, for sure. And yeah, like what we know of Bill, even before you know this four years later jump that he was seemingly either living with his mom or lived in his mom's old home. It was clearly a guy that was probably to himself. So to open up even after all of that, not just these past four years, but who knows how long before that he might have kind of locked himself off to the world. Uh, but there's a little bit here that I thought was very interesting, and, and Craig Mazin was talking about. The idea that Frank kind of notices Bill here, where he gives that slight hesitation, asking him, hey, can I just come in for, you know, just a quick bite to eat? It's been two days. That was a good fun little joke, too. Sounds a lot longer if I say it out loud. Right. Um, right. <laughs> but yeah, like Mason said specifically, like Frank notices Bill here. Like he has a little bit of hesitation in his eyes and sees that Bill needs you know, company, for lack of a better word here. And it kind of starts laying the groundwork for for their relationship, I think. Sure. And I think we'll get more subtle hints as as we see them kind of develop their relationship uh, throughout these next couple of scenes as well. The shower is amazing. I love that. <laughs> I love that moment. And if you've ever spent time days away from a shower when you finally get in one and it's hot water and everything, it is an incredible feeling. <laughs> uh, they have a very they have a very nice dinner. Once again, there's something so much fun about like in this world of like nothing and chaos that it is important to Bill that he like prepare meals like this. And Mm -hmm. we see him do it for himself, but it is also fun that he's like rather than being like, hey, here's a sandwich. The door's that way. (laughs) Yeah, he does this, which, Mm -hmm. yeah, to your point, there's something building here, which I liked. Mm -hmm. And like the way he even like puts the plate down, like the presentation is very important to him and he's got the bottle of wine that pairs very well with it, which is also great. I think he's got this little line too, where he's like, Bill is, or Nick Offerman says like, I know I don't seem like the type. And then Frank right back at him. He's like, no, you do. Cause again, I think Frank, Frank sees, sees Bill for, for who he is and sure. um, can, can see a relationship here for sure. Right. Right. And then <laughs> nothing like the, uh, I guess I'll be. I guess I'll be going then. Oh, <laughs> is is that your piano in your house? I would love to. Oh, the best of Linda Ronstadt. Uh, I don't. I did not know who Linda Ronstadt was. Did you have any? Oh uh, no, you never heard big, of her. I mean, are you big Linda Ronstadt guy? <laughs> I can't say I am. I don't know her back catalog, but I, I know certainly of the name. And when they play some of the songs, I, some of it's recognizable. But again, I love the way Frank calls this out, where he's 
peeling back all these other ones about you know classical or whatever that it was his mom's it's like oh linda ronstadt this is you it's like again he knows he right. understands right and he starts playing and singing and the subtitles are like parentheses sour notes um <laughs> and and bill's like please no please stop and he's like oh you can he's like listen i'm not a professional but uh and i don't know but it was, it was great yeah that, <laughs> well yeah, yeah when he says but he knows like oh okay frank's like okay well you can play then so you got to play for me and he's like okay play and this is it I'll, I'll leave this is all i need and this is i i have to say so i'm gonna read through the lyrics of this song because i think the writers of this show clearly chose this song very specifically because the lyrics are just so beautiful and so poignant and i can say watching this the first time this episode was hard to watch in its beauty like it's it reminded me of up to be honest with you like that that opening sequence of up showing the life of these two people and, sure. and all the ups and downs that they had and seeing all this stuff play out so quickly in an hour of these these two men you know growing old together it was just amazing and, and the lyrics here specifically of this song were incredible so are you gonna are you i'm gonna not gonna sing it speak them tom or are you I going will... to bless us all with a little song and dance. If I had my piano in front of me, I would, but unfortunately oh. I don't. Well, so, let's, yeah. let's pause here and start moving some furniture, my man. All right, go ahead. I'm ready for it. Yes. Yeah, so it's love will abide, take things in stride. Sounds like good advice, but there's no one at my side. And time washes clean, love's wounds unseen. That's what someone told me, but I don't know what it means. Because I've done everything I know to try and make you mine. And I think I'm going to love you for a long, long time. Which, again, is the title of this this episode. So And, and just so beautifully performed by Nick Offerman, who is by no means a beautiful singer. But he goes for it here and crushes it. And you see that moment in Frank's eye where, I mean, he's tearing up. And he even asks Bill, I think, after this, like, you know, who did you write that for? What what girl are you thinking of? Again, probably knowing the answer sure. beforehand and really opening up and, and you see Bill open up too. This is kind of his his first romantic relationship and I mean, gosh, what a what a beautiful, beautiful story. Yeah, it was lovely. The Bill and Frank a love story. And then we go from oh, there. This transition. This transition. As I say all of that, this beautiful love story, three years later. <laughs> F you. Yeah, they're in an argument. He's <laughs> he's running down the front yeah, the front walk and uh they're oh, so good. Yeah, doing what uh old married couples do. Um, yes, it was a it was a it was a great moment and Frank's like Frank's He's like you're a you're a conspiracy theorist, or he says something <laughs> like like those along those lines. It's like the government are all Nazis. It's like yeah, now, but not then. But not then. Yeah, <laughs> not when you first had these opinions. And uh, Frank's like, listen, I just want some gasoline, some paint. Um, I'm gonna fix up some of the shops. I'm gonna fix up some of the shops, and it's. T- it's just such a funny, and you see there too, like the practical one. Uh, mm-hmm. My my mother, who I'm sure I've talked about on this podcast, always says something like, "Oh, in relationships, there's like there's like the the dreamer and the practical one, or there's mm-hmm. like the balloon and the string," which is a terrible way to describe two people <laughs> in a relationship. Yeah, but uh, she tends to use that. So I'll say Frank is the balloon and Bill is the string in this situation. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Well, this is again the callback to how I think that 
why this love story is so beautiful is because of like when Frank first meets Bill, he goes into his, his house and he kind of puts his finger on the mantle and he finds all this dust. So he's, he sees that, you know, Bill is clearly thriving, but he's, he's not taking care of, you know, maybe some of the little things. And that's something that Frank loves to do. Like he doesn't want to just survive in this world. He wants to live in this world and thrive in this world. Um, and he even gives him that line, like, let me love it the way I want to which again is, is beautiful and is something that anybody a part of a committing relationship should do that and then don't dictate how anybody else should like you know what they like. And we even get a little bit more of that towards the end of the episode with that kind of similar type of line that, that Frank and Bill have back and forth. Right, right. And <laughs> Frank's like, listen, we're going to make friends and we're going to invite them to visit. <laughs> There's no friends to have. And he's like, I've been talking to a very nice woman on the radio, <laughs> which is what? so good. So good. And then hard cut to Tess and Joel on a visit. They're having a very nice lunch. I appreciate the compromise that had to happen where Bill was like, listen, they can come. We'll let him inside the compound, but they're mm-hmm. not coming in the house. We're yep. going to put the table in the front yard. And then Frank was like, fine, I can work with that. I'll make it beautiful. Um <laughs> That is the conversation that I had. It, it was just so good. Oh, and and the comedy too of Bill holding the gun like on the table, and right. then uh, Frank leaning over to him, like, "Can you can you not please?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> so so yep. good. And then I think Tess and Tess and Frank Frank's like, "Oh, I've got to show you something," and so they go, <laughs> and Joel's like, "Listen, I, I know the situation you're in. I've got one too. You know, just so you know." Out of all the weirdos in the world right now, we're decent people and we can help you with some stuff. And um, he points out, he's like, listen, the fence that you've got, uh, that's blah, 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 technical fence talk. I can get you some real nice galvanized steel. It'll outlast you. Just very, uh, very good way of Joel trying to bridge the gap here. Well, and, and Joel sees the the relationship as well. And, and when he gives that line, he's like, listen, this will last you the rest of your life. And then he corrects himself and says lives. Like, and, and this is where I think Joel and Bill first established that they are both protectors of, of the people that they love and they care about. And I think we get it again at the very end when we get that, that note from, from Bill. But I think these two, they, they may not like each other, but they certainly respect each other and understand what they're doing and what they're about. Sure, sure. And we established that Frank and Tess, fast friends. Uh, <laughs> we hear him, I think, at this point, kind of talk about um, the like radio uh, signals, like the the eras of music to play. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. at the same time, Joel's like, listen, you got a nice thing here, but guess what? We're in a TV show, and so I have to foreshadow some stuff. <laughs> and have you heard of Raiders? Because they're mm-hmm. coming. Yeah, from right um, in Las Vegas. Yes, thank you. Not those Raiders? No, Not sorry, those Raiders. other Raiders. No, 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 no. Those are different Raiders. They'd fumble on the way over anyways. Oh, well, they don't have a quarterback, so. Um, <laughs> three years later, which by my calculation is 10 years from the present, we have cars as a fence, which I <laughs> thought was interesting. Yeah, and upgraded security there. Upgraded upgraded security he's got a he's got every night go with every car fob and lock them all there's 400 of them anyways they're jogging through the neighborhood we find out that 
Frank traded a gun for some seeds. Mm-hmm. And Bill's response of, which one? And Frank's yeah. like, a little one. Which is just so, like, I don't know. If you're, if you're not, like, a gun person, the response of, uh, like, a little one, it's just very funny that, like, the size is, like, denotes value, I guess, is mm-hmm. just, yeah. I don't know. I found that very funny. Uh, and this was also that he could plant and grow strawberries, which I thought was mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, and we get again this just fantastic line from Bill, and they've been together for you know almost ten years now. But Bill giving that line saying, "You know, I've never been afraid before you showed up." This is the first time we really see Bill openly showcase his love for for him in, in this kind of idea that he didn't have as much to live for in this world and potentially in the world before this outbreak, but he has something to live for now. Yeah. And I think, well, Tom, I think this is the moment where I should, uh, I should say my piece uh, about this episode. Please. Um, as, uh, someone who, you know, has a very conservative worldview. I just want to, mm-hmm. I just want to speak to, uh, <laughs> it should never be allowed to make love on the strawberries. That is just never. something, um, <laughs> Strawberries are not the type of fruit you want to lay on top of, like a like an something with a rind, like an orange, or uh, <laughs> maybe a banana. You know that peel, that outside, that's not going to smush. You lay on top of a strawberry, and there's any type of, we'll just say gyration. You know that strawberry is <laughs> going to turn to mush. All right, you're going to ruin the crop. So I just want a strong stance. I am against. Two people making love on top of strawberries. That's what okay. I just, I feel like I needed to say that. You did. I mean, I would say John Lennon probably said it before you, strawberry fields forever. But, you know, you, you said your piece and I appreciate no, that. No, strawberry fields not forever. Not for making love, John Lennon. I uh, listen, that reminds me, I should write him. Is he, let me. Ooh, I think we've been over this in previous pods, buddy, but John I'm sorry to Lennon, let you know. John Lennon, oh yeah, the lasso one. John yeah. Lennon's dead? Uh, John Leto at thebeatles.com, I'm assuming, if I could guess his email. Probably, um, probably. But yeah. But again, like this, this, these are the kind of scenes that just wreck me, like especially in the second viewing, like knowing what's kind of coming and everything. These just, these hit me so much harder. And I would definitely encourage people, if you've only seen this episode once, go back and watch it again. It's so, so good. But the way this, this scene was shot with like the, kind of the golden hour where you get, you know, there's almost like dandelion fuzz kind of slowly going in the background and you see the, the sun kind of setting and peeking through the 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 trees and everything and man nick offerman's laugh bill's laugh when he takes that bite of that that strawberry where it's like a laugh cry giggle thing uh it's just great and it's just uh, absolutely amazingly done from acting from cinematography from directing just loved every minute of it yep yep and I loved every minute of the Raiders where <laughs> there's flames and there's bullets and people are shooting and guys are catching fire. And you'd think after they saw the flames come out of like the first blowtorch that that second guy wouldn't run to that same spot and be like, I bet the flames won't go a second time. And then joke's on you, buddy. I love the natural gas situation uh, mm-hmm. in this whole little compound we see like a a scene in the very beginning where he goes to the natural gas plant he like flips one switch and he like (laughs) dusts his hands off and he's like well i guess we'll have natural gas for the next 20 years and then he (laughs) winks at camera and then it's like department of energy and resources at the bottom 
Um, <laughs> by gas or whatever. I don't know. Natural gas. <laughs> Anyways, a lot of flames, a lot of bullets. Frank wakes up. And it's funny. Bill's out there, like, hooking and jabbing. Uh, mm-hmm. Frank comes out, starts yelling for him. I would argue that Frank might have been the reason that Bill gets hit here. I don't want to cast <laughs> any um, strong accusations, but Frank almost got Bill killed. That's all I have mm. to say in this I mean, fight. I would argue Bill's strategy, like tactically, probably got him shot. Just to stand in the middle of the street when you've got like a rifle and these guys have shotguns doesn't seem like the greatest place to, to be in a gunfight. Oh. I've never been in a gunfight, so I don't know. You mean standing up with a uh, hunting rifle, <laughs> shooting people from, I don't know, 150 yards away? You don't think that's the best use of that weapon <laughs> and there was no other thing to crouch behind? I don't know, Tom. I don't know. Sounds like Bill really knew what he was doing. It was a show of force. He was letting everyone see his beard, and they're like, that guy's got a beard. Let's get out of here. There's two of them, and they both got beards. I don't know. I I loved what they did here. Like, Frank gets him inside, like, starts to dress the wound, and he's like, call Joel. Call Joel. And the way this cuts is I was like, oh, they killed Bill. They killed Bill. Which was, uh, once again, I'm someone that's trying to see the angles in a show. I'm trying to see what they're <laughs> foreshadowing. I never want to be surprised. It's always pleasant when they catch you a little bit. And they cut to 10 years later where I assumed it would be Frank on his own. But no, it's Frank in a wheelchair and Bill is A-OK. And, and I had the same feeling that you did. Like I thought they were going to kind of retcon the, the game a little bit because I knew they were already going off script and maybe Bill was going to die here and kind of Frank takes over the mantle in some form or fashion. But when they do this this 10-year jump, again, like I just love the idea and the concept here of just the complete twists of fate. I mean, we're, we're 10 years out from this this event and you would think it would be Bill in the wheelchair and then maybe he got injured right. you know, more heavily. But no, it completely flips the script and... You know, Bill is back up and at him, and Frank is dealing with, you know, kind of a, a disease. And when I was listening to the uh, the follow-up podcast on the show, they talked about the writer saying that they didn't want to, like, specifically spell out what kind of Frank had here. But I think they kind of hint that it's, like, some kind of MS or ALS. Mm. So it's kind of like a muscular neurological disease or whatever that's just sure. kind of taking him over and what's kind of forcing him in a wheelchair. But such a such a cool sequence and and play with with the idea but i do also want to call out the idea from when bill was shot and kind of he was all he thought he was going to die right and he's telling all this stuff to to frank about the list that i have i've got copies of the The keys keys. i've got all this but he knows that you know frank can't survive in this world alone and he needs a protector and even though bill doesn't like joel he tells him you need to call joel because he's going to help you he'll protect you And, and bill sees that in joel Good point. Yep. The only scene, I I mean, I'm sure they shot it, but they cut it, was the scene of after Frank stabilizes Bill, he takes four fingers of blood and he crosses his face with them, <laughs> and then he gets out Rambo's knife and he rips the piano wire out of the piano because no one's playing piano anymore, and he just starts garroting these raiders outside the fence line. Uh, and then 10 years later, he's just wearing their faces. <sighs> I can't believe we cut that scene. The director's cut. Yep. And then Bill walks in. He's like, "Why are you still wearing all those faces? Like, <laughs> I had already killed all those people by the time you went out there. So, what you're doing doesn't make any sense." 
They are much older now, still handsome, still bearded. Mm -hmm. We've got uh, the moment where you have to take your pills and Mm -hmm. (laughs) you are uh, eating a lovely meal that Bill has prepared. I was trying to figure out, okay, we've got first course soup and then there's some sort of, I believe, salad. I was very much into the culinary aspect of this episode. <laughs> I did, there was a visual thing that happened for me, not only in this scene, but in the later scene of like the first meal they have, they are across this long table. And then mm-hmm. these other scenes, they are, you know, one's at the head and one's right next right. to them, which mm-hmm. uh, I thought was, uh, I mean, I don't know that that was, that's a normal relationship thing. But um, for me, it, it stood out. Yeah, it's just a good little added touch that these these people writing this stuff take take the time and, and care to kind of do that. Sure, sure. I'm assuming on the days they're arguing, they sit at the opposite ends of the table. Of course. Um, <laughs> it's like that Nate Bargatze bit where he's like, you know, when you're fighting with your spouse and you like pass each other in the hallway and you have to like not touch, you like lean against the wall and you're like, oh, excuse me, ma'am. Sorry, were you going this way? Like, I don't know. That's a... Anyways. Frank decides not to make light of it, but Frank decides this is his last meal. And uh, mm. I was like, oh, that's a really weird way to tell him you didn't like the soup. <laughs> well, no, I think we they, they go to bed and we see that Bill is, is a fantastic uh, you know caregiver to, to Frank. Oh, and that's right. Forgive yes. me. Yes. So Bill wakes up, sees Frank already up and at him, clothes on, in his, in chair. his chair. And, you know, Bill is just furious at him he's like listen i'm not gonna have this argument with you you know it's gonna mess with your legs and then he get that thing like you know just give me give me one good day kind of bit yep give me one more day and he's like this is what i want i want you to make me toast which (laughs) listen i think i've decided that my last meal will be toast and and eggs because that's just the greatest thing in the world Um, (laughs) that's me speaking not frank so tom if you're there when we are the last two men living in a compound, <laughs> I would like yep. toast. He's like, I, well, I'm going to pick out outfits. You're going to wear what I tell you to wear, which I thought was <laughs> yep. wonderful. We're going to mm-hmm. get married. We're going to have a wonderful meal and some assisted suicide. And it's just going to be a normal day. And the only issue I had with this, Tom, is the fact that they weren't married. Like, I just, <laughs> I can't condone it. I can't condone two people living together unwed they i wish they would have done it earlier that's all it's true but that's under the same a, roof you need to put a ring just, on it the two things no love making on strawberries and just <laughs> no unwedded living together that's it that's all yes. those are my two things that's it yes 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 yeah this was i mean if, if him bill finding frank in a pit of his creation is a meat cute then i guess this would be their death cute <laughs> Sorry, trying to make light of this oh, of this no. horrible sequence. Oh no! I what well, <laughs> is it? Death? Oh man! Oh, I've got it. I'm gonna have to digest my feelings on the term "death cute." Uh, whew. It's a good band name. Yeah, it's a great band name. Yes, I'm. Yeah, that's good. Disclaimer, that's good. though, we're obviously making light of of terrible situations and, and the suicide and stuff that is in here. And like I mentioned earlier, like I'm. In the video games, that this character kind of hangs himself because he was bit and didn't want to see himself get changed. So, again, 
need help, find it. We're, we're trying to make light of, of this terrible situation, but uh, yeah. I'm going to move on from the term death cute. And I think they have I, I, a, a lovely moment here where they... Well, like, and I think, so yeah, to your point, like he kind of, um, Frank lays this all out there and Bill's obviously still trying to process what's going on and, and doesn't know if he can go through any of this. And, you know, Frank tells him like, do you love me? And Bill, of course, says yes. And then love me the way I want you to. And again, that's that callback to the earlier line. Like, let me live live my life the, the way I want to live it. And the, when, when he says this line and then it just cues this violin music, which I want to say I've heard in some other show or something before. But again, this is just the second you turn this on and you get the montage of this day of him, you know, them eating breakfast or whatever, or them hitting, uh, wheeling him to the boutique to pick out their clothes and then putting on the rings and getting married. Like, again, man, for me, it was just, it's so beautiful and was, it, it, I was tearing up this whole time and I'm even thinking about it now. Like I, I am, this completely got to me. Yeah, it was very beautifully done. And, um, they sit next to each other at dinner. It's that evening. Uh, you see the touches of uh, Bill bringing out, I believe, the same wine as the one when they met. The bottles it's, look the same. It's the same everything. It's the same wine. It's the same dinner, the same meal that they had when they first met. Yeah, that is a, a lovely touch. And I didn't say it out loud, but I thought, I don't know if Bill... Like, Bill, I don't know that Bill goes along with this in the sense that he doesn't also... Uh, mm-hmm. drink the wine and and very quickly Frank is realizing there were uh, well he's like is this gonna be enough to kill me and and Bill's like oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you're <laughs> yeah yeah you're not gonna feel mm-hmm. a thing and uh, he makes some comment about there were drugs in the bottle already weren't there mm-hmm. um, which makes me wonder a little bit about their palate I don't feel like the wine <laughs> would taste the same but they both drink it and I feel like it is a, um, I don't know, it, it was a, it wasn't surprising to me that this is what Bill chose to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a, they have a lovely moment here. Yeah. And, and, and my assumption would be like at, at some point, maybe during the day that, you know, as Bill's going through all this and maybe hesitant and, and he probably didn't have this in mind, but realizes like, and he says it at the end, like once he does drink, he's like, I'm old, I'm satisfied. And, and you were my purpose, uh, which again, tore me to shreds. Uh, but that goes then, to your point of him, like the protector thing. He's like, mm-hmm. Hey, you were my purpose. Now that you are leaving this mortal plane to go to Valhalla, I no longer like you were my purpose. I no longer mm-hmm. have someone to protect and to like Frank's point earlier, like, are you living or are you like living life and, and mm-hmm. doing things with purpose? Uh, Bill has decided this is a good time for him to punch out too. So mm-hmm. it was a, it was a poignant moment. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there we go, man. There, there is the love story of, of Bill and Frank. And as I kind of said at the top of the, the episode of, of how they kind of did this relationship there, I'm just so happy that they deviated and, and, gave these two characters that were just kind of, you know, Bill was kind of a throwaway-ish character. He's just kind of a means to, I don't know, show you that you can do explosives or, you know, he's going to help you get this car battery. But what they do here to kind of showcase the the concepts and the ideas of love that, you know, portrayed throughout this entire series was just 
beautiful. And I don't care if it was a bottle episode. I don't care if it didn't necessarily move the story along so much. This to me is a, an hour and a half of television that is going to be remembered for a long, long time. And yeah. I'm so thrilled to not only have watched it, but you know, talk about it with you, man. It's 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 amazing. Yeah. No, it was great. And here's what happened. I watched this with my spouse. And my spouse has been very upfront about, hey, when the zombie apocalypse hits, just put me <laughs> down. And I was like, listen, look at these people. They're so in love and they get to spend the zombie apocalypse growing old together. And so I shouted that at her and we're not speaking right now. So that's just something uh, that's going on in this house over here. Well, um, and the other idea of that... Yeah. Like Frank or Bill almost needed an apocalypse to be able to open up and have this relationship, right? That's like fair. for everybody yep. else. I think he even gives this line in the note talking about like, I was glad when everybody died. Like it was kind of funny to me or whatever. You know, he eventually again I don't finds know, just, love, just how he finds found purpose, love when nobody yeah. else could, yeah, in, in this crazy world. So just Yeah, poetic, you worry beautiful. if he if he was just gonna live in his mother's basement for the rest of his life and become mm-hmm. like more and more of a recluse and this Mm -hmm. was an opportunity i've always said that zombie apocalypses are the number one opportunity for personal (laughs) um and emotional growth i think that is uh on our house crest somewhere Uh, i just have to search for one of the rooms where it's hanging but no you you make a great point there we cut from this to joel and ellie showing up um, I like that Joel has the keypad. At first, I was like, oh, they're not going to be able to get in or they're going to get shocked by the fence. But, <laughs> you know, Joel's been trusted with a keypad. He punches it in. Uh, Ellie finds the note from Bill. Mm-hmm. And the envelope says, to whomever, probably Joel, um, <laughs> which I thought was great. Oh, and Ellie's got that clever line. She's like, I assumed I fell into whatever category. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's, uh, I don't know. She reads the note. It's a... Uh, it's a very, you know, touching uh, and funny, like very on mm-hmm. par with who we come to know Bill as. Um, yeah. And even though like Ellie's reading was very funny where she, she like literally reads the laughing like he, 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 Right. He, he. right. <laughs> and uh, Nick Offerman does have a giggle. Like he does it as Ron <laughs> yeah. Swanson. He's got that like very funny. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so. I hated everyone then. I realized that there was one person worth saving. And mm. that is I mean, him. there it is, right? It's the same line pretty much that we get from Tess in the previous right. episode in terms of like save who you can save. So it's just echoed right here. And then what obviously tears Joel completely apart is and Ellie kind of stops reading when she sees, you know, keep Tess safe. Right. And, you know, Joel takes a letter, has to read this for himself, walks outside and just you know, it, this this is what really got to him because regardless of everything that he's done to here and he's clearly done a lot in his life to keep Tess safe, he sees this and, and sees this moment as his failure where he couldn't protect his daughter and he couldn't protect Tess. And again, how beautifully the show adds this this new storyline to the, that was not in the game to help push this idea and concept of Joel needing to save Ellie and be her protector. Yep, it is. Uh, yeah, and uh, Pedro Pascal does a great job here. Uh, and so does Ellie, mm-hmm. like reading the note, like getting to that part and realizing, like having the wherewithal as a as a teenager to like, oh, this is not a part I should read. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then we get, all right, hey, 
buckle up, kiddo. We're going to keep going <laughs> down the road. Uh, here are the rules. Don't talk about tests. We keep our histories to ourselves. Uh, don't tell people about your condition, even though we were the first people you met and you immediately told us about <laughs> your condition. Um, and then do what I say when I say it, which I thought was great. And she sums well, up and the he rules. even like says, repeat it. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. She says, repeat it. And of course, she doesn't repeat it. She won't repeat it because she's Ellie. She says, what you say goes. Right. It's great. Right. And uh, I was like, why don't they, why do they have to continue this journey? Just live at Bill's place. He's got a pretty nice setup. You'll probably <laughs> live, you know, you'll probably live for a while. I guess if I was Joel, I would be like, ah, this is going to look a little strange. She's not my daughter. I'm living in a compound. I'm going to get in trouble for this one. Um, there's two dead bodies in a, in, uh, in a bedroom. Um, I don't know. Well, the, and Joel still has his motives, right? Like, Joel's doing all of this to get to, to his brother Tommy. Tommy. Yeah, right. Yeah. Tom, uh, Tommy? T- Joel has a brother named Tommy. Look at this. I've got a brother hey. named Joel. Joel has a brother <laughs> named Tommy. Your name is Tom. This is some sort of weird circle that I just discovered. What an incredible realization at minute 247. Is that really how long we've been recording? That doesn't seem right at all. I really loved Ellie wanting a gun, and she's like, "Listen, mm-hmm. there's a wall of them." <laughs> they go down his bunker. Right. Yeah, there is literally a wall of them. <laughs> and uh, and then does... what? Like they go take ahead. showers, right? And then I think while Joel was in his shower and they're getting cleaned up, Ellie's kind of just peeking around the house, and she finds a gun. And it's not like she just finds any gun; she finds Frank's gun that he used when he was kind of going to defend Bill. And, you know, jams that into her bag. So now she's locked and loaded. And I got to ask you, what what's your thought here? Do you think Joel's in the right to not be arming this girl? Or do you think living in this world, Joel needs to take this opportunity to teach her how to use a firearm responsibly? I would say that's a tough call. But I would say in this situation, you take some time, you teach uh, because there's going to be a moment where she's either going to like this situation run across them and I don't know if she's ever handled one before, so mm-hmm. I would go over the basics. And then in this situation, I would be like, hey, keep it in your backpack. Like, here's how you use it. Here's how you safely mm-hmm. use it. But keep it in your backpack. Don't touch it unless I tell mm-hmm. you to. Because now that he doesn't have tests, it would very much be uh, nice to have someone else that could mm-hmm. take care of themselves or at least protect your back a little bit. So, yeah. uh, but at the same time, Ellie's a little bit of a wild card, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I, I, I mean, there's a wall of them, so why not? They should both right. have three of them, one yeah. in each hand, and then duct tape one to their belt buckles. That, that's been my going philosophy with guns. <laughs> no, you duct tape it to your back. That way, when you got one bullet left and you're on the oh, top of a skyscraper, yeah, right. you can get in a laughing yeah. match and then shoot the guy. Yep, when you're wearing that sandwich board sign walking through mm. Queens. Uh, yeah, that's a good That's a good point. This leads us to the most important character of this whole show, the blue Chevy S10. <laughs> the, I'm sorry, the two-tone, uh, like blue and black, whatever. I don't know. I'm colorblind. Uh, it's it blue was... and white. It's the same colors okay. as the game. <laughs> oh, is it really? Is that yeah. a thing? Okay. Uh-huh. Listen, when I saw this S10, I I was thrilled. I, there's, <laughs> I don't feel like this is a truck I see on the road anymore. But when we were younger, 
this truck was all over the place. Um, <laughs> and so, and I, I like that Joel, he even makes a comment about like, it'll run forever. It'll mm-hmm. like, it's a crappy S10, but it'll, it was just, it was a great line. Well, and Ellie's reaction too, because she's never been in a working car. She's like, it's a spaceship. And right. she's touching everything that she can see. It's awesome. Right, right. Which I think is funny that she thinks space is real. Um, <laughs> she finds a tape, and it's a tape of one Linda Ronstad. And mm-hmm. man, tape decks, you know? Tom, did you ever have a tape deck where you ha- where it was a tape deck hooked to a, a CD, uh, a portable CD player, and so <laughs> yes, you I could did. play it in your car? Yes, it's sir, you did. got a cord did. coming out of the, uh, the cassette player or whatever into your CD player. Listen, I don't, I don't like to paint with broad strokes, but the best <laughs> people in the world, the best people I know at some point in their life had a tape that went into a cassette player in their car that hooked to a Discman where they could play a CD through a tape. Like, that is technology to the max. <laughs> and uh, if you had one of those, please write us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. I want to know the car uh, <laughs> and, and what CD spent the most time spinning in that, in that disc player. I yes. just, just so thrilling. <laughs> Anyways. Absolutely. We then have a moment where, oh, and in the, in the, the message he says hey we're up in the upstairs like bedroom or whatever we left the window mm-hmm. open don't go up there like mm-hmm. we left it so it wouldn't and we don't really know what the time it doesn't feel like a ton of time has passed um, well i think he made mention like he he set the music to like go on to that 80s soundtrack if he hadn't touched it for a while and i think they even when they got into the house you could see some dust gathering and the food rotting a little bit so it hasn't been like weeks i think it's been you know, maybe a day's or a week in okay. terms of how long. Okay. But yeah, to your point, right? So that that open window, and they have this beautiful shot of of Ellie and Joel kind of taking off in the car, listening to the same song that we heard. You know, that kind of started their romance. Bill and Frank's uh, play in the background. What's really unique and cool about this scene is, as the car is going out from the background, it's zooming back into the window, so kind of back into Bill and Frank's room. It, what the significance is people who play the game are going to know this, but there's significance to this open window and kind of drapes kind of flowing through, through the scene. When you start the game and you load it up, the, the loading screen or the title screen for this game is a shot of a, of a window that's kind of broken and just living in this world. There's no backstory to it. You don't really know what's kind of going on, but that is kind of how you start and you have to kind of press, press the button and press play to be able to then start the game. So kind of that paying homage to to the video game, I think, was was really beautiful. And I think even the, the writers kind of talked about they had thought about doing a concept of having every single episode of the show start on like an, a different window from a different scene um, or or kind of place that these characters are going to be at. But ultimately decided that, you know, they wanted to kind of stay away with it and, and save it for for this scene and this this moment. So kind of a cool, cool callback to the gamer audience. Sure. Sure. Well, that is the end of this episode. I enjoyed it thoroughly. It was, once again, the the show, the first two episodes, I felt like were pretty linear, pretty clean cut, like, uh, well done. I enjoyed them. But for them to, like, throw this in here and for it to be, as you've said, beautiful, touching, and, like, very deep, and um, I I enjoyed it. My, my, My only regret with this show is they've built, like, three 
characters that I like, Tess, Bill, and Frank, and they're <laughs> all gone. So yep. <laughs> uh, it's not that I don't want to spend more time with Joel and, and Ellie, but I would have appreciated had like Bill and Frank gone along for us mm-hmm. for at least one more episode or at least Tess to stuck, stick around. But this is not a world where people stick around. It's a world where... Some people survive and a lot of people don't. So I, I listen. Feel like- I would argue you got Bill and Frank for twenty years, right? You got to see their whole journey as a as a couple. So even though it might have been short lived in an hour episode, to be able to see those characters live their full lives, I think that that in and of itself is a win. That's fair. That's fair. And uh, I don't want to get weird on you, Tom, but I think you and I have known each other for about twenty years. So uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> And our love runs just as deep. We appreciate all of you joining us for this. Um, we hope you like this episode. Uh, we appreciate you listening. If you would, please, questions, comments. We do appreciate hearing from people. You can reach out to us on Twitter at Team Binge. You can email us at teambingepodcast at gmail.com. I don't know what you listen to this on, but if you have the ability to subscribe, rate, or review, uh, that is always helpful. I will say that if you're listening to us at times one speed, try times 1.2. I listen to us at that speed, and I feel like we really move. And then listen to us second time um just for the ad revenue for us that's just something for a little bit of this but um serious on a serious note we want to shout out uh seth on twitter uh seth put out some just great (laughs) i don't know do you call them memes do you call them pictures one was a dolphin (laughs) clicker one was the overturned ice cream truck seth i uh listen i i I appreciate you. You you did a uh, a fantastic job and had a I had a lot of laughs. And then the other one I want to touch on is Barrett, um, which Barrett drew a um, correlation between the kiss between Tess and the infected and Autumn and <laughs> Billy from Outer Range, um, which was just yes, Barrett, the same vibes. I I, I see you. I see that hand. Uh, and I appreciate it. So those of you that engage with us, we we do, I don't know, Tom and I enjoy it. It makes this, uh, we like talking with each other, but it's also fun to hear from you guys. So Tom, uh, what did I miss? Uh, you can also follow us on Instagram at Team Binge Podcast as well. Uh, but yeah, let's let's keep it going. I'm excited for the next episode. Again, we don't watch the trailers for the next one, so we don't know what's coming, and I don't care what's coming because I'm going to watch it, and I'm likely going to love it. Yep, I hope it's another love story uh, between Joel and an infected. But <laughs> we'll see. I guess, yeah, so episode two was Tess and an infected. Episode three was Frank and Bill. Four, Joel and an... Yeah, that all makes sense to me. <laughs> Anyways... Uh, The last thing we'll end on is stuff we want to recommend in terms of other media we are uh, excited about or witnessing. Tom, you gave yours away earlier, but I already Mm -hmm. forgot about it. So what what was yours? (laughs) What's your recommendation? It is The Last Man on Earth, which is, again, that fantastic show with Will Forte. Um, They had a lot of fantastic uh, supporting cast and um, kind of guest stars that would kind of come on. Because spoiler alert, he's not actually The Last Man on Earth. Um, but it was made. <laughs> It'd be 
be kind of a boring show if it really was. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but there's it was made by uh, Lord and Miller, so the same guys that did the After Party, Lego, and, and other things like that, which, again, we've also recorded pods on After Party, so I give, give that a try. But just a super fun show, great concept. It was a bummer because I think they wanted to do one more final season but didn't get picked up by Fox, but was a show that was very niche and surprised in all honesty that it lasted as long as it did and kind of the age of streaming that we're in now. But great, great show and, and recommend you go pick it back up. Yep. Will well, Forte got, and Kristen Shaw, they are great mm-hmm. in it. I would just like to mention, and I haven't seen it yet because it literally came out yesterday, uh, but Nate Bargatze, the comedian I really enjoy, just did a, another special on Amazon Prime. So... Um, if you haven't watched his Netflix ones, they're great. I'm assuming this one's going to be great. Uh, if it's terrible, then I will <laughs> retract this uh, on the next episode. Uh, when we do episode four for The Last of Us, not This Is Us, The Last of Us, um, thank you for joining us. I've been Julian. I've been Tom. See you next week, everybody.